Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products, and unrivaled customer support. Underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. Someone, you you realise someone's going to come in and interrupt at some point. That's fine. Hello and welcome to the Turf Hub Podcast with me, Joe Hendy. Today I'm joined by the Minchinhampton maestro, Mr. Adam Matthews, course manager. Adam, how you doing? I'm very well. Thanks, Joe. Very well indeed. Good. Let's kick off with your vital statistics. Holes. 54. 54. 54 holes. We have a winner. (laughs) Um, Hectares. Uh, 101 as a total site at the new course, uh, and that also includes 18 holes at the old course, which is on a triple SI site. Bunkers? 118. Staff? Currently sat at 12. Mechanic? Yes, and he is worth his weight in gold, without a doubt. I'd imagine he is. Memberships? Uh, Just over 1,200 over the three golf courses. What's your longest hole? Longest hole is the evening eighth hole, par five, off the whites, 537. 537. And what's your shortest hole? Evening six, 140 off the whites. Beautiful stuff. What time is your alarm set for in the morning? It currently sets at half past five. It varies throughout the year. Um, next week is going to five o'clock as we, uh, as we start a little bit earlier next week. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that in the slightest. But uh, is, is that for, for the summer? That'll be our summer starting times, yeah. We might yeah. go a little bit earlier than that. Alarm set an hour before start time. Right, okay. And what's the first thing you do when you get to work? Check the forecast or check in the weather forecast all the time. It, it could be the last thing I do before I go to bed. So, so yes, yeah, so it's the last thing you do, the first thing you do. <laughs> exactly, is it's checking the forecast just to make sure. Right. I, so I'm hoping it's, it's either going to change or uh, or it's just just what we were expecting it to be. So as a course manager, yeah, what's your typical day? Busy, I'd imagine so. Hectic, but you must be pretty organised. I have three courses and yeah, organisation's key without a doubt. Being able to adapt and change whenever possible is also key. But my typical day is um, it depends. Sometimes it's an admin day, and I, and I'll just be glued to the office and I'll shut the door and I just. I'm on admin all day, whether it's reports, whether or not it's planning, whether or not it's doing proposals or meetings, or or sometimes it could be out on the golf course. Very rarely sat on machines doing any grass mowing, but uh, I, I definitely do like to still stay on the golf course as much as possible. You've got 12 staff. Yeah. That's quite, a, um, obviously you've got three courses, 12 staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it must be a bit of a logistical nightmare, but how do you manage your 12 staff? Oh, crikey me, how do I manage 12 staff? Well, keeping them organised, um, keeping them informed, so they so they know what they're doing majority of the time anyway. But generally, it's that's where I would see the role of the deputy courses manager. Once once we know what we're doing, uh, monthly, weekly, and daily, the the courses deputy courses manager would generally take care of the staff and a day-to-day organisation. So, so, you're, so your deputies then, so they're divvied up, yeah. you've got one for each course of you? Or? We've, got, we've got one at the old courses and at the time of this uh, podcast, we're actually in the middle of recruiting a second deputy 
and they'll be based at the new course. Depends how fast this comes out, but when's that, when the, when did the applications? Uh, yeah, you've got a job going. When did the applications close? Uh, so applications closed on Monday the third of May. So they have closed now, and we're in the processing of the interviews. Well, happy days. Um, uh, I don't know if it's confidential or not, but did you get many applicants? Can I, can I ask that? I don't know. If uh, I can't, we can cut, we can cut this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got uh, we did we got we got some good applicants. We got some very strong candidates. Fantastic. I won't ask. I won't ask any more because obviously it's uh, confidential. Um, <laughs> right. Let's move on then. Right. Amongst your staff, amongst your staff, um, are any of you golfers? Because obviously I, I get around quite a bit, and it tends to be some quite low handicappers in the trade. Have you, do you guys play? Uh, we've got a couple that play. Not many of us are golfers actually. And I, I say us. I mean, I play a few times a year, and I, I'll have a bash about, but uh, nothing too serious. Play off twelve. We've got a couple of single-figure handicappers, and that's it. We've got nothing's too serious. No, oh, that's right. That's cool. Right. What's in your lunchbox? And that's not, and that's not a euphemism. That's not a euphemism. What's in your lunchbox? I might reword that, actually. I, I thought there was a new bit to add to the thing. But, yeah, what's in your lunchbox? Oh, crikey. See, I, I'm terrible. I make my lunchbox in the morning, so it's whatever I get my hands on first when I open the fridge. Yogurt, crisp, chocolate bars, go-to. Yeah. Always got to have one of the, got to have one of each of those in the lunchbox. Bagel. Bagel. Yeah, I'm a bagel man. Con- continental. Yeah, I like I like a bagel. Um, <laughs> nice. Cinnamon and raisin bagel. Beautiful. That's that's a good go-to. Um, and that's about it. Sometimes though, Monday Monday mornings can be the best lunch boxes. Sunday roast leftover. Yeah, either a Sunday Sunday lunch leftover roast Beautiful. dinner or or a curry. Oh, nice. If, if I if I've got a curry on a Sunday evening. Yeah. Definitely taking that to work on a Monday morning. Beautiful. Definitely. Um, and who has the best lunches? Oh, God, best lunches. Don't really, don't really spawn lunch boxes, but um, well, you must get a bit of lunch envy. There, there's occasional lunch envy. You can, you can smell it coming out of the microwave every so often. Yeah, definitely. Um, Martin, uh, we've got a guy called Martin Massey. He always has a seems to have a pasty in the baked beans or something that always looks pretty nice. advertising. And who has the worst lunches? Worst lunch box. Oh, Will Harris. <laughs> Not the worst lunchbox, but he has a wrap. He has a banana wrap at times. Um, make that of what you yeah. will. He, he loves it. Goes down, but it's not something that I would uh, open my lid of my lunchbox and think, "Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to that." Well, imagine from now on in, uh, you should be known as Banana Man, <laughs> right? Um, so the course itself. So obviously, you've got three courses. Yeah. Um, so probably let's do this as in one course at a time. So you've got three courses. Why don't we start with the common? Tell me about the common course. What's the common course uh, formed in 1889 in the heart of Hampton, uh SI site. In the summer, we've got approximately 500 cattle that roam. Yeah, nice. Uh, they go out on the 13th of May each year through to about November. Uh, and the green staff are responsible for collecting and removing two to three tonnes of cow muck each day a day a day from the playing surfaces tees fairways to greens and then with that comes uh, repairing the damage hoof marks chewings etc etc yeah and i've been triple s eyesight yeah are you restricted to what you can apply on that Uh, yeah absolutely yeah nothing's applied over there no nothing at all everything's as almost as natural as it can be a little bit of feed on the greens uh, kind of in the autumn and in the spring but generally Nothing's applied to it. No. Okay. 
course course number two you take your pick yeah so that would be so as we come over to the new course we uh we came over here in the 70s uh and 18 holes was formed and then in the 90s we built what is now known as the Cherrington. So at the new courses we've got the Evening Golf Course and we've got the Cherrington Golf Course. Is one of those the premier site or? Um, individuals might think so. People would have their preference of what's their preferred golf course. Um, the Cherrington Golf Course would be known as, or we try to set it up as an inland links. Yeah. And then obviously the Evening Golf Course being more partland. The Cherrington Golf Course had the open qualifier in 2002 through to 2007 nice. and now we've got the open qualifier currently and that's set up on a composite golf course so it's the original 18 holes of when we came back to when we first opened up at the new course is it yeah is that a pain is that, no, is that a joy or is that a pain no it's not it's a, it's, it's preferred by by many people because it's it takes us back to where we were originally by adding a few holes from both golf courses, it gives us a bit extra length. Yeah, and, and that's the main reason why we've done so. Right. So to get the open qualifier, is that something you're awarded? Do you apply for it? How how did you get in the swing for that? And if you didn't have it between two thousand and seven and now, why didn't you have it? So it's um it's moved round. So it's always at a different venue. You have it for five years, and then it moves on to a different venue. And it's something that we would have shown interest of wanting and been rewarded because of. You hit certain criterias. Yeah. Um, obviously, the golf courses, but then you've got the practice facilities and the clubhouse structure and everything that goes with it. Brilliant. And whereabouts in the country are you? We're in Gloucestershire, aren't we? Yeah, we're in Gloucestershire, in just outside Stroud. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking, in previous podcasts, we, I, I'm yet to allude to where I am. Obviously, I know where I am, and you know where <laughs> you are. But um, yeah, for those that are listening who aren't, who aren't local, let's just say. Yeah. Um, and on the subject of local, you notice I've left the, the beautiful um, city and county of Bristol for the first time. I'm uh, I'm in Gloucestershire, so yeah, I've travelled north. We we like to say we're uh, we're just we're just on the edge of the Cotswolds, is what we like to say. Oh, beautiful the Cotswolds. Na- neighbours with uh, Princess Anne. She's just across the road from us. Oh, happy Capital days. Park. No, you can't you can't beat that. What's your biggest challenge? Uh, we'll go daily, weekly, and overall. Uh, biggest challenge is managing expectations probably of of members or 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 the general public as well um expectations are growing each each year each time because the demands of presenting the golf courses year round yeah would be one of the biggest challenges that that i or we in the industry face speaking of challenges in the industry um currently uh, leather jackets are causing quite an issue to, to many people yep any issues uh, not at the moment. No, no, we haven't um, haven't had what appears to be the thread of leather jacket problem. No, no, that's good. Um, right. So obviously you got the pressures of of dealing with three courses. So um, what do you do to switch off on an evening away from away from work? How do, how do you relax? If I'm being honest, I probably at the moment probably struggle to switch off. But I, I do find that really difficult to put down tools and walk walk away. I'd always be doing something at night. Um, yeah. whether or not it's thinking about something making notes etc etc always doing something so i'm struggling to switch off a little bit but i'm aware of that and um i do need i do need to, to work on that without a doubt yeah you, uh, you've got to have some downtime you have downtime the, the job consumes you you're absolutely right you're absolutely right you're absolutely right when i do have downtime and it is um and i do switch off the mobile phone goes away 
the laptop yeah. goes away, every, everything goes away, and I spend it with my family. Uh, my wife and I got a three-year-old, well, nearly three, and uh, your toddler, yeah. and that, that's, that's what I did, that's what I enjoy spending time well, with. Well, as you know, I got a three-year-old as well, I mean, I'll be honest, it's a, it's a glorious age. Yeah, I love I mean, it. We're currently learning to balance and hop, and, and, and yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, yeah it, it, is, it is decent. Um, Obviously, you're a relatively—I'd say you're a relatively young man. <laughs> Thank um, you. I, I'm, uh, I'm forty-one. Um, you're definitely younger than me. How old are you? Um, thirty-six. Yeah, we're old enough you have to think about it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so thirty-six. Thirty-six. You occupy quite a prestigious position for your age. Does that add to the pressure? Do you do you find you or do you think not? No, I don't think so. I, I hope not. I've been at Minchampton all of my working career. I know the golf club, the golf club know me. I don't think my age or my youthful looks affect that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, have you got any hobbies? So away from golf and that and the family, any hobbies, any interests? Uh, yeah, I'm a sportsman through and through. Lo- loved my football, uh, watch a bit of cricket. Uh, I could watch sport. I, I spent a little bit of time last week watching a snooker. I, yeah. could, I, can ju- I just watch sport. I love it. Lovely. Yeah. Now, on the sports side of things, um, I did hear a rumor once that you were you were a referee or a linesman. <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Yeah. What's, what's your big claim of fame? Is is it something to do with the FA Cup? Um, I've claim of fame. I I don't know if this is a claim to fame or not, but um, my previous life before becoming a golf courses manager, I was a a, re- a referee, a match official. Um, finished off as a, an assistant referee in the championship. Got to travel the country going around all these great games, stadiums, meeting some fantastic people in football, a um, few TV appearances, a trip to Wembley. Nice. Um, yeah, no, it's very, very nice, very that's enjoyable. Not, that's not bad, is it? it so, no, it's all right. Uh, I, I'm a Bristol Rovers fan, and people who have listened before will, will know that. Um, now, I do love the occasional football chant. I'm a big fan of it, actually. Um, down at the Rovers, there's very little to, to watch on the pitch sometimes, and it's the, it's the chance to keep me going. But... As a as a referee or a linesman, what's what's um what's the best heckle you've ever heard? Uh, best heckle. I tell you what, football fans they 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 do come out with some imagining imaginative um chants. They do great. You get the classics like um big nose or your blind <laughs> or um, I'm not sure if they were shouting that one. <laughs> big nose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're blind or get back to school or um etc etc anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favourite chants, football chants. I was at Rovers one year, and uh, it was a particularly dull game. It was about the 23rd minute, 24th minute, and nothing had happened on the pitch. And uh, on the Blackthorn Terrace, they put a new uh, a new roof on. It was a corrugated iron roof with like steel girders. Um, and down at Rovers, we're, we're sort of third world. We're still standing. There's no seating. So everyone stood there, and uh, there was a pigeon, and the pigeon was flying under the girders. And it was flying <laughs> girder to girder. And uh, one, of the, one of the crowds started... Uh, the chant of you don't know what you're doing so all the crowd are going to, you don't know what you're doing you don't know what you're doing and then um as, as it nested in the rafters as such uh someone else pipes up with do a shit do a shit do a shit and then it's the old oh and it shot yeah it was, it was class I'm listening to football chants like like that and that's that's what i mean how, how imaginative football fans are it's just, it was just it, glorious. It, some of it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, 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 it is. Right, back to the course. Um, so when did you start in the industry? 
uh, when I was 16, um, when, I left, well, when I left school, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't know greenkeeping wasn't something that I ever set out to be involved in. I wasn't even that big a fan of golf um, back then. But I had to do something. I, I knew I was never going to be an office worker, uh, work indoors. I, I'm, I'm a practical, hands-on person, always have been. But I chose Hartbury College as my preferred destination. And then from that, I chose Sports Turf Management. That's just how it went. Did two years at Hartby College, and during that time, I did four days at college and a one-day work experience on a Thursday. Uh, and on that Thursday for two years, I came to Minchinhampton. That was it. That was it. That was how I started. Worked every Thursday for two years. Worked Easter holidays, summer holidays, Christmas holidays, everything. Got to the end of the two years and I was fortunate enough to be offered a position as an assistant greenkeeper and never looked back. Happy days. Um, what would you say are the biggest cha- changes you've seen um, in the industry between then and now? Um, I think we've mentioned expectations previously. Um, they're growing all the, all the time uh, and the demands that are, that are required of us. Um, it's a seven-day operation, 365 days a year now. People are playing golf all the time. My biggest change that I think is in the industry, for good or for bad, is social media. Yeah. I, I think the way the way social media is taken, where it's taken this industry. Again, I, I think it can be a glorious thing. I also think it can be quite toxic. Yeah. And also, I think it can let, it, you, you can raise expectation beyond what's available or not actually you do wonder if things like filters and i tell you what my, my phone it, it takes the most perfect picture and i could take a picture of any golf green on this golf course and make it look great yeah and and that's that's what i mean it, it's changed and i posted it and it's then gone worldwide and everybody sees this perfect golf green of this potentially filtered picture i'm not saying this yeah. is what people do do and yeah. in the slightest but um but that's where I think social media has changed this industry. However, though, I, there is some good things in social media as well. I mean, you can see how people learn things and get educated through social media and share ideas. I mean, I, I, I go on Twitter. I'm not a tweeter, but I, I go on Twitter and I have a look and I come away with some great ideas where someone's clipped a photo or a video. Yeah. Think, oh, what a great idea that is. I thought it was a great idea to follow Adam Matthews on, on, on Twitter. Um, and a few months later, I realised it was the wrong Adam Matthews. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's two, there's, there's two ringkeepers for Adam, Adam Matthews, which I hadn't noticed. Um, yeah, I did, I did, I did twig eventually though. Yeah, so Adam, if you're listening, there's two Adam Matthews in ringkeeping, and you're my second favourite. <laughs> anyway, right. So, what's your general approach to, um, or what's your general ethos to to to, to greens maintenance? Um, how, how do you approach your greens in terms of maintenance? Um, aeration top dressing as much as possible little and often through the season yeah and then we always have a good week's major renovation and that's generally carried out in august september what we do in that week it depends on what is required yeah um and that's what soil samples and and the results of those give us would yeah. be what is true we don't just turn up and just say well we're going to do that we, we're planned and we know what we're going to do and that week, we're fortunate enough, because we've got the two golf courses at this site, is we close the whole golf course for the whole week. Oh, uh, brilliant. And we can just do our greens maintenance, and it doesn't matter how we do it, what we do it, that week 
it's course maintenance week. That's that, that is glorious. Having the, having the course close is really helpful. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. And would you get like all twelve? Well, I say all twelve of you guys. Obviously, of course, still open. But do you sort of bring more men in for the for Renault week? Do you think right? I said rule on this for the week. Smash it out or. Um, generally, yeah, the, the renovations we would take priority. Obviously, the rest, the other two golf courses still need maintenance. Uh, that may, that may be morning maintenance. Get that over done with, and then leave it alone. Focus on maintenance week. Yeah, yeah now you, you, you said you spike little and often. Yeah. Um, what are you spiking with, and how often? So I love I love me pro core and I love my six mil solids. Um, get that through the greens. <laughs> um, at least at least once a month, every four or five weeks. And then just pull a dusting of top dressing down with that as well. On the Procore, what so what size tines are you using? So at, for that operation, depths. Uh, depths depends how far those tines have worn down. They do they wear down pretty quickly up here. These uh these solid tines, but I like to get at least what's that, a good three, four, five inches. Or oh. I say that's more like six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right then, sword composition. Wash your holy grail. What are you currently working with? Let's go with the common. Fescue. Uh, they're predominantly fescue greens over there. Uh, they're overseeded uh, two to three times a year using a pot seeding method. Lovely. And the Cherrington? Uh, at the new courses, Cherrington and Avening, they're both treated similarly uh, and they're overseeded with bent. Uh, and of course, they would be a poa bent mix on the surfaces. Lovely. Um, so, uh, Teas. I haven't mentioned this before, but any special treatment in your teas? What do you do on your teas? No, no special requirements in teas. Um, they get they get top dressed and they get uh, hollow cord and solid tined um, through autumn and winter, uh, just to make sure that they're in good playing condition in the spring and summer. But they get no special treatment. Lovely. Uh, most clubs are a bit of an urban oasis. What sort of wildlife can you share on the course? Uh, plenty of wildlife. Um, twelve hundred. <laughs> <laughs> um, no wildlife. Yeah, we get deer. We get we get plenty of deer roaming around. Pheasants are for, forever. Yeah, plenty of pheasants. Uh, and we've seemed to have inherited and or adopted a pet cat. A bit of a stray cat idea oh. who roams around the greens greenkeeper facilities and sometimes comes and says hello in the shed. Nice touch. Uh, have you named it? We haven't named it, um, but I like to look after it. Black and white cat with no ears. No ears? No ears. Okay. No ears. Right, okay then. Um, <laughs> there we go then. Right, um, and do you do anything on the course to encourage the wildlife? Are you doing any sort of bug hotels and that sort of thing? Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, Minchinampton has had a pretty good pedigree of uh, trying to be sustainable and trying to encourage wildlife. Uh, and we do, we do when 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 we do do tree felling and the branches are all left on site and we stack them and we lay the and we lay the logs and we try to allow the stumps to have um kind of a nesting ground for bugs and for wildlife yeah uh, um, we we do leave areas of rough uh for natural beauty and encourage to encourage butterflies and bees etc we we do try and do our bit lovely um Wildflowers? Have you got any wildflowers? I'm sure, I'm sure I spoke a couple of years back with somebody about wildflowers. I don't know if, if there's ever a project that kicked off there. Or... Uh, we we've got some areas of wildflower. Um, not something we've necessarily developed since you had that conversation a couple of years ago. It's just uh, natural. It's just natural, but it's something that we're definitely going to try and develop again in the future. Lovely. Um, okay, here's a big one. Uh, 
and I'll allow you to have two if you want two. Here's a big one. What's your favourite hole? Favourite hole, I'm going to go over to the old course for this one. Uh, they've got two par threes over there, uh, the 8th and the 16th. And they are stunning par threes. It's worth playing the old course just for these two holes there. You, yeah. play, you play over quarries nice. to get there. The 16th especially has got a great, it's, it's got a busy main road behind it. So you've got your quarry in front of it. You've got your busy main road just behind it, a small target. Um, and they're stunning par threes. Yeah. So oh, we'll do the eighth. So the eighth, what's the, uh, what's the distance? Uh, the distance of the eighth is probably about 140, 150. Stroke index? Oh, got me now. I'll have to double check that one. I'll have to double check the uh, the criteria of both these holes. <laughs> I'll come back to right. I'll work, I'll work it out. I'll add it at the end. Lovely stuff. Um, okay, here we go. What's in the shed? And we're talking frontline machinery. We're leased machinery up here. We operate on a five-year lease for all of our frontline machinery. We've done that now for the past uh, couple of terms. We've recently come across to John Deere as our frontline machinery. Okay. Um, in your opinion, is that because John Deere, uh, is that because they, they basically were the cheapest? No. no, <laughs> no, no. Were they the best? Were they the most cost effective? Or do they do the best sort of, in your opinion, the best fleet deals? Um, being honest, they were all quality machines, everything that we demoed. They were, yeah. they're, they're all quality machines nowadays, especially the technology behind them. For Minch and Hampton, um, at this time, the package that was available, and, I, and, and so that's I'm going above and beyond just the machines now, the yeah. package available for us, John Deere, came out the winners. Lovely. And what's your favourite bit of kit? Favourite bit of kit uh, has got to be the Procore. I should have said. And what's your favourite bit of Procore? Because <laughs> that is your answer. To everyone's question, yeah. What's your favourite bit of kit? The 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 Procore, it is just, it's brilliant. It's just glorious, isn't it? It's is glorious. It's got no bells and whistles. It's just a simple pedestrian aeration bit of equipment, but it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, well, it is. Can't knock it. I should get Toro to bloody sponsor this 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 section. <laughs> the Toro, what's your favourite bit of kit? Question. Um, and what's your favourite bit of kit ever? Ever, that's a good one. Oof, favorite bit of kit ever. Uh, too, I can't say the pro core, can I? That's too, uh, that's too cliche. You could, well, you could, you could say the pro core. It's a lovely bit of kit. It is. Um, the the technology of the of the sidewinder is, is a great bit of kit. That yeah. that that goes to places other machines can't. Having that sidewinder facility. Beautiful. And who looks after your machinery? So we've got our machinery manager is Will Harris. Um, He's been with the golf club since he's approaching uh, above and beyond 35 years now. He's he's been here forever. Like I've previously said, he is worth his weight in gold and he is absolutely brilliant. Uh, there's there's just nothing that he can't do. Fantastic. And I suppose we run a, bit, a big fleet. He's busy. We run a big fleet. He's busier. He, he, he's busier than me, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. Um, and he just he just dabs his hand in everything and uh, everything that goes into him it comes out in decent working order brilliant any future course projects planned yeah so the golf club um refuses to stand still uh we because we always want to try and develop and that might be small little steps or it might be big large projects and tasks but we have a live five-year working plan 
on all three golf courses. Nice. And that includes um, tree felling or planting. Um, it includes tea leveling or additional teas, bunker removal, removal or addition. Yeah. Uh, tweaking mounds and hollows, etc. Lovely. That's why it's good to have a plan. I guess on three courses you need. Yeah. You need a plan. Absolutely. So yeah. that, that's a five-year live working plan that we we adhere to. Um, we mentioned social media earlier, but um, there's we're in an age of celebrity. Um, so could I ask, who's the most famous person that you know of to have played the course? We have the Fifty Shades of Grey, Jamie Dorman. Oh, oh not the. Not the no, it's not the bird then, it's the bloke. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Well, That's what eats their own and that, but it's, yeah. uh, Tony Adams is a regular player. Nice. Uh Keith and Alfie Allen, the regular players. They, they, these are members. Yeah, but members. Uh, of course we're by the Cotswolds. Clarkson? Not seen or heard of him, no. Yeah, he, lives, he lives up uh, at the street, isn't he? Clarkson. I did hear during lockdown that Rita Aura was locking down in the Cotswolds. Um yeah, she didn't. She stayed close by, but that's not the question. I um, I, I didn't get that memo. No. I missed out on that. Just, one, ima- didn't just imagine. No. <laughs> um, right. So basically, so you got a, bit, a few slabs of members and that sort of thing. Um, any selfies? Any selfie opportunities? No, I'm, I, I'm not one of those. No. No, not at all. Not. Uh, you won't see me taking. As a Mike selfie. Sage would say, proper bloke. There you go. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take me a selfie with uh, with someone like of, of that status. No. No. Who is your biggest influence in the industry? Oh, that's easy. Uh, Paul Worcester. And Paul was the previous course manager? Yeah, previous course manager. He's the one that's brought me on when I was at Harvey College. Um, he's the one who saw my career and helped me develop. Um, but yeah, we've added that biggest influence. Now, Paul was part of, he was the the bigger chairman for 2010. For, for a term, 2010. Um, are you involved with Bigger, that sort of thing? You, 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 um... uh, I was heavily involved with Bigger at one stage, the uh, Southwest Secretary for a short period of time. But no, currently not actively involved with Bigger at the moment. Well, all these things take a big uh, chunk, chunk of your time, extracurricular. Yeah. And when you've got a young family, it's not easy. And who are your closest friends in the industry? You, you, if you had to bounce ideas off somebody, who do you talk to daily? You know, if, is there anyone there you sort of... Uh, who do I talk to daily? I wouldn't say I've got any closest friends because I wouldn't want to leave anybody out. But I'm not just being saying this being cheesy. But every everyone I've met is a great person. Yeah, I, I've not met somebody in this, in this industry that I dislike, um, and that I couldn't don't feel as I could talk to and ask questions of. Got to say, I met more than most, and as a rule, most people are, are genuinely good sorts. Is a it's a great industry to work in. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And that's echoed by everyone I speak to, pretty much. Okay, okay. So golf courses wouldn't be anywhere without its members. But what is the worst habit they have on the course? Pitch marks. Straight away. Easy one. Straight off the bat. Repair your pitch marks. Pitch marks are a, a common gripe. But I mean, what can you do to, to educate the, the golfer? You've got to not only give them the message and give them the information, continue to do so as well don't just give them the message once and then stop you've got to continually just try and drive that one forward hopefully fingers crossed we're coming towards the end of the pandemic but obviously you've had to operate throughout the pandemic did you get furloughed what sort of procedures did you have to put in place for health and safety how's the course fared throughout the last 12 months so we probably did what most people did um during this pandemic we have furloughed staff at different phases of 
the closure of the golf courses. And I must admit personally to me, this recent closure of the golf courses from January through to, uh, what was it, middle of March, that was the most important closure, if, I, if I'm being selfish, because leading up to Christmas, we were, we were getting very, very busy, but we were also getting very, very wet. Yeah, and I, I would not have liked to seen the golf course go through cr the Christmas period or the New Year, uh, and try and survive that until spring. So that's just me being selfish. Of course, I understand of, of of other people's opinions of that, but we we did the usual stuff. We we furloughed staff when we needed to. We did split shafts when we were required to. The lads had their breaks at different areas. Some of them sat in their cars. Some of them sat outside on nice dry days or just inside the sh the main shed. Or we did split breaks as well, so they come in at breaks at different times, introduced hand sanitising stations, yep. had one-way systems around the shed, wore masks when we were indoors, uh, we took temperature recordings each morning of each member of staff. Nice. So w we did our bit, and the most important bit behind that was ensuring the safety of the members of staff. That was priority. Yeah, no, brilliant. Temperatures of staff. Just out of interest, what's the average? 36.5? Give or take. So yeah, that's good. See, good knowledge, huh? I've actually done my fair share of temperature tests. There we go. Um, got it in the end. Right, if your modern day self could offer your younger self some words of advice, what would they be? Uh, listen, um, and listen to everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, or where you are in a position. Just always listen to somebody and everybody, because that person, could give you any form of advice. You might not use or take that advice on right now, but later in life, it, that piece, that it will come back to you and you'll remember it. Yeah. So that my ethos in life is, I don't care who you are or what you are, if you've got something to say, I'll always listen to you. That's good, I'll, I'll keep coming back then. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah, wise words. And uh, what does the future hold? From day one, this has always been a career, uh, very career-minded. So for for the future, for me, is to continue to be Minch Hampton's golf courses manager, but also more importantly, to be the family man. Yeah, yeah, to be to be to be the dad of a family. Speaks uh, on it. Yeah, yeah. That, that that that's the most important thing for me. Adam, been a pleasure. That concludes this week's podcast from Minch Hampton Golf Club. Yeah. So until next time, you stay safe. I'll stay safe. I've been Joe Andy. You've been Adam Matthews, the first, not the second. I'll catch you next time on the Turf Hub. Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. For more information, visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at advancedgrass. Got any good stories about anybody you want to carve up? Do you want to throw someone under the bus or not? I can't. No, I couldn't throw anyone under the bus. Go on. Because they'd throw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs>